I'll, I'll tell you about my last time I was in St. Louis. It's kind of interesting. All right, I'm ready. Good, here we go. Oh, no! Hello, and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch with your friend Brad, and today I'm excited. We're going to get right to our guest, Jackie the Joke Man Martling. I just never thought I would say hello, Jackie, but I'm saying hello to Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Oh, how the hell are you? I'm uh, I'm just tickled pink to talk to uh, one of the members of the Beatles of radio, at least. That's, that's what. Uh, you... <laughs> the last time I was in St. Louis, um, we were between shows, and you know, normally I'd be able to tell you who the hell I was with. I don't know who I was with, but me and the other com- the other comic walked out of the Funny Bone. And it was in some kind of plaza, and across the plaza was a theater. And it was Jay Leno, Larry Miller, and, oh, God, what was the Russian guy's name? Yakov Smirnov. And Yakov Smirnov, Larry Miller, and Jay Leno. Jay, hey, how you doing? You work in a club in 1984 or something like that. So that's a long time ago. In Russia, the hockey puck shoots you. Oh, God, Jesus. So we fixed our audio issues. So unfortunately, we're going to have to do this over the phone. But Jackie, once again, thanks for joining. Um, How are you spending quarantine time? What's going on with Jackie and where are you? Well, you know, uh, my girlfriend and I are having a a very, very bad case of survivor's remorse. Because uh, we live here right on Long Island Sound in a, you know, not uh, obnoxious house, but a really nice house, you know, an old house, looking out over the water with our garden and our kitties and, you know, my garage office and uh, all my memorabilia. And, you know, we're doing this uh, Cameo.com, a bunch of them every day and doing millions and millions of podcasts and interviews. And it's, you know, it's like a huge vacation. I mean, you know, we're getting ready to strangle each other because you don't see anybody else hardly. But, you know, we got food and we got a beautiful place and a nice place. You know, we're up in the middle of a, the, uh, we're on the North Shore of Long Island in the middle of, you know, the place where time forgot so we can walk and walk and walk along the bay or through uh, Center Island and it's all scenic and beautiful and it's and it's wonderful. So we're living the life. But we're watching the world crash down and and fall apart around us, which is so you can't really you know smile and dance, you know. So it's it's kind of mixed emotions, you know. Well, maybe and, we uh, and I, you know, I just hate everything that's going on, you know. Maybe me and you today can make people laugh for a little bit. That's that's my hope. <laughs> yeah, you know, <clears throat> I, I, and I still, you know, what I, I record jokes. And send them to my friends on the front lines. I record filthy, filthy jokes and send them. And, and you know, and the doctors and the nurses, you know, they love that. It, it, you know, it's a little bit of release here and there. You'd think it would be like, you know, obnoxious to try and make them laugh, but, but it isn't. You know, it's like, uh, it's, a, it's 20 seconds of re- return to normalcy, if that, if that makes any sense, you know. And I love your Twitter, your Twitter account. You just send jokes out all day. So you, if anybody's feeling bad, go to Jackie. Martling, Jackie the Joke Man, Martling, Martling, and take a look. You're always sending well, out well, jokes. My Twitter is at Jackie Martling, and I actually only tweet one joke a day, uh, sometimes more. But if you go there, you can see all the old ones because it's at 4:20 every single day. And over the, I mean, I've been doing it for 
My God, I don't even know how long. Could it be 10 years? Twitter's been around that long, yeah. Well, you know, you started, I mean, that's basically obviously how you started was a stand-up and and doing the jokes. How did you, like, form that style of boom, 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 joke, 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 joke? When when did that become your style, and and how did you decide that would be your style? Well, I I didn't decide anything. I, uh, I just, ever since I was a kid, um... Well, I got an autobiography out called The Joke Man, Bowder Stern, and it, uh, it really goes into it. And uh, people have, you know, it's, it's fascinating because it's not. You know, it's, it's really one foot in front of the other. But when I was a little kid, I just, you know, I'm a smart guy. I just absorbed every joke I ever heard. And I just figured everybody in the world knew all the same jokes. And I just kept them and kept them when I was a musician. Uh, through high school and in college, and then uh, for the entire 70s, we played in a band here on Long Island, me and another guy telling, you know, telling jokes and playing original songs. You know, Howard used to play them on the show and, and make fun of us, but, you know, people loved us. And when we broke up at the end of the 70s, I already knew every joke there was, and I thought the whole world did, but turns out nobody knows the jokes, and at least of all the comedians. And I said, you know what, what the hell, I'm going to give this a shot. And I started, I'd already been telling jokes on stage with my songs, but it was kind of subtle because I'd tell jokes and play the guitar. And uh, and I say my starting point in comedy was 1979, and it was subtle. I went from a, a guy who played the guitar and told jokes to being a guy who told jokes and played the guitar, which sounds ridiculous, but... You know, the thrust of the act became jokes. I mean, I still remember in January of 79, the first time I got paid for telling jokes with my guitar on as opposed to the opposite. And uh, I just knew every joke in the world. And when I first started, you know, there was bad raps going around. I was some guy on Long Island, you know, he must have picked up a joke book and decided to tell the jokes on stage, which was absolutely wrong. I mean, I, I was organically, I mean, every cell in my body had absorbed these jokes for for, you know, 30 years. I was 31 years old before I started in comedy. And then one by one, as these guys met me, they were like, holy fuck, that guy's the funniest guy we ever met, you know. And I never looked back. You know, I made an album, then I made another album, made another album, and everybody, you know, laughed their asses off. They're just stupid old jokes. I don't, you know, I, mean, I write some of them, but I, I take what they are and I make them work and I pare them down. There's more of a science to it that, you know, to make it look like you're just fooling around and telling one thing after another off the top of your head takes a lot of work. You know, it, it sounds silly, but it does, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and then uh, we sent, I used to send my albums to everybody because if you're a joke teller, you just want to share this stuff. It's a weird, it's not even uh, explainable, but uh, my, my album came out and I just would send them around because I didn't know where I was going, what I was going to do, I didn't have any plans. You know, I couldn't really go on Johnny Carson because I'm telling old jokes. But I, all I knew was I was killing every audience. And then <clears throat> at some point I heard about the guy uh, moving to New York City from Washington, D.C. So we sent my three albums to Howard Stern, care of WNBC. I, I never heard of the guy. And he called up and said, hey, your albums are great. You know every joke. Why don't you come in and hang out today? And I went in and hung out on the show, and at the end of the day, they said, wow, you're a lot of fun. Come back next week. So I went back once a week for three years for free. 
And in that time, I slowly but surely was feeding them jokes and ideas and lines, and I integrated myself into the whole thing. And then he got fired and rehired, and when we went to mornings, you know, I became head writer, and we went, we went to Pluto. You know, and people were like, wow, you're lucky you hooked up with him just before his big ride to stardom. And I said, no, I didn't just happen to hook up with him. I happened to have a lot to fucking do with the fact that we went to the moon. But, you know, that's, that's all up to, you know, that's, you know, this horse races. You know, was it the Yankees or was it Casey Stengel? Who knows? You know what I mean? But you did see that, right? I'm sure you have no idea who Casey Stengel oh, is. Oh, Mets manager, 1962. Yeah, of course I know them, Casey's. But yeah, you did. It's crazy. You just said that, though. It's true because it, it doesn't. The show doesn't rise, or Howard doesn't rise without you, without Fred, um, without Robin, without Baba Booey. I mean, that's the five that I think of. Um, you know, that kind of basically got that show kind of rolling into the late or 80s, early 90s. And then by the late 90s, he's got a movie and a book and he's on E! every night. Um, I mean, it, what was it like just kind of sitting in that chair and just and feeling this momentum of this show is it's not a radio show. This you is something what? else. It's like there's a fish. No, it's in water. I distinctly remember. Well, I used to brag to people a lot of times, a lot of interviews. I really loved, and I would always say the same thing, but it's really kind of sad because I'm the guy who fucked it up. <clears throat> but every interview, I'd say, you know, today, this morning, I just worked with Howard and Robin and Fred. And the first day I walked onto that show in 1983, it was me and Howard and Robin and Fred. And it was the four of us the entire time. And I remember by the end, I was like, you know, we've been together for, you know, 18 years. You know, no marriage, you know, rock and roll bands except for the Rolling Stones. You know, no marriage, no TV show. Nobody lasts 18 years. And I say, you know, this morning I worked with the same people I worked with in 1983. But then, of course, I left the show, so I fucked up that whole thing. But we got, I'd get interviewed, like in 1988, and they'd say, man, you guys are just the greatest. But it's been two years. But how long can it last? I don't know. And then, you know, a couple of years later, why wow, you guys are the greatest? But it's been five years. How long can you guys last? I don't know. You know, they go, you know, and I said, Howard just keeps reinventing himself. All right, you guys been together 10 years. Well, you know, next thing you know, there was a TV show, and then there was a, a you know, the E, e show, and then, then there was the movie, then there was the books, then there was the movie, and just, you know, it just end over end, and we just, got crazy and crazy to where we hardly did any more bits because just sitting around, it was just, it was just brutally funny. You know, everybody had each other's buttons and it was, uh, it was, it was just, it, it couldn't have been more fun. It absolutely could not have been a more fun. When I left, it wasn't because I didn't love doing every second of the show, but it was, it, it takes a toll, you know, getting up at four thirty every morning and living the life that I lived, you know, but it was, it, it, I don't think we were fully aware. There were milestones along the way. I remember I got called to do a charity show, and my wife and I went down to New Orleans. And we had just started the, the e-television show. You know, so everybody, you know, they all heard us, but finally they're getting to see what we look like. And my wife and I were on in, uh, in New Orleans, sitting at a wrought iron table upstairs at a, to order lunch 
And the waiter came over and nonchalantly said, Hi, Jackie. Hi, Nancy. He not only knew me, he knew my wife. That's how, how wide the show had gone. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, we're not in Bayville. We're in fucking New Orleans. You know, and, I, and that was one of those, you know, spots along the way where the dawn went off in your head like, holy shit, you know, what do we got going here, you know? And it was, it was just, and it got so crazy, you know. Like, I'd be in traffic on the way home. On a, on a summer afternoon, it'd be construction. I'd be sitting there in the car, and, like, the guy in the next car over would be stuck in traffic, <clears throat> and they wouldn't say, are you Jackie Marling, or are you the guy from the Stern Show? A guy would look over and just nonchalantly say, so what'd she look like? <laughs> ah, she was a pig. He made it sound like she looked good, but she, she wasn't too pretty. You know, they, they would just talk to me like, like a, like a matter of course, like I, he'd been with me for the last couple of hours, which was, you know, it made New York a very, very small town, which was really cool, you know. Yeah, you, what you mentioned there, I was going to kind of get to this later, but leaving the show, you left it in 2001, you said it was like the that schedule, the morning, um, just tell me a little bit about making that decision. I know you, you had a lot of contract. No, you know, There's a lot, no, of, a lot of negotiations. Really it's like anything, there was a million things uh, piled on top of each other. And, you know, I drew a line in the sand. And it's funny because the bullshit, because a, a couple of months later, I actually went back and said, look, you know, I'd love to come back for the deal. Because I didn't realize how much I was going to miss sitting around and laughing so hard. You know, you don't miss the fame or the money. It was just like, Wow, you know, you just don't have that much fun anywhere else. But uh, I was drinking too much, and my wife and I were on the outs for years. But there was no way I was going to quit drinking. There was no way I was going to split up with my wife because I, I couldn't go looking for a place to live because I was working, you know, 25 hours a day, you know, writing the TV shows and doing the radio show and going out and doing stand-up and releasing CDs. And then I'd go away for a weekend to Las Vegas or Chicago to work, and they pay me so much money. And then when I finally would have a weekend off, the last thing I was going to do was go shopping for an apartment. So we were just, I was kind of stuck in no man's land, and there was no way I was going to quit drinking. And I said, you know what, I'm going to ask for a certain amount of money, and if they pay it, I'll stay, and if they don't, I'm, I'm going to get my life back. Which sounds crazy. I was making a lot of money, but not relative to, I mean, I mean, they, we were printing money. You know, K-Rock was printing money. It was, it was zillions and zillions of dollars. I was like, you know what? I've been here since the beginning. Nobody else want to, wants to ask, but the hell with them. You know, cut me in, you know. And, and they didn't even want to talk. So, so that was that. You know, but, you know, to this day, people say, oh, that's the worst decision anybody ever made ever, blah, blah, blah. And I, yesterday, uh, I celebrated well, whatever you call it. Uh, 19 years sober, and you know you never know. Like I, I put my jokes on Twitter, and like you know, 10 people will like the joke, or 20 people will like the joke. I know a lot more people read it, but nobody. And yesterday I said, oh, by the way, I've been sober for 19 years, and like you know, 1,300 people liked it and responded, and you know, those insults here and there. But uh, you know, it, it's 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 just crazy. It, it just what happened had to happen. It really did. You know, people are like, why didn't you stay five years? You know, I, I might have wound up dead. You know, I might have ran my car into a, into a pole. Who knows? You know, so, 
you just you just got to go with go with your gut and then do what you do. You know. Yeah. You know how hard, but you know I, I never claimed to be smart. But how hard? <laughs> how, yeah. Well, how hard? How hard was that year though when they're doing the win Jackie's money and Howard is just saying no, he's not coming back. And you did ask to come back, and you know you're tr- now you're like, oh my god, I what did I do? How hard was that no, year? No, I listen. When I said I'd love to, I I knew that ship had sailed. I knew there was no way they were taking me back. But I knew I should. I knew I should ask. But listen, you got to be ready to walk away when you're negotiating. You know, it was it was Sophie's choice. You know, it was fine. You know, it really was fine. You know, I mean, I didn't listen. I didn't care. You know, it's like, uh, you know. But I also realized I had to quit drinking because uh, well, I couldn't get divorced while I was on the show because they would have dragged that in front of the whole listeners, and that would have been a that would have been unfair to. And me and my wife and my family, and there was no way I was going to quit drinking if I was still on the show. But when I got off, I realized, holy Christ, I got way too much free time. And I said, I can't spend the rest of my life waiting for it to be 5 o'clock so I can start drinking. I said, the only way to do this is to have it never be 5 o'clock. So I just quit drinking, and I moved into a house by myself and was divorced. and had no job, and it was very rocky, you know, but... I weathered it. It was great. I, you know, it, it's you know, every, I got so many friends that I never had a beer with in my life. You know, it's so crazy. But uh, by the grace of God, I wound up with a house I've been staring at my entire life here in Bayville, and uh, so now you know I got the greatest house in the world and the greatest girl in the world. And uh, you know, it's funny they they're doing a documentary. I'm in it, and it's finished. But there's no, there's nothing to do with it. You know, we don't want to just put it on, you know, some cable channel. We want to take it around to the film festivals and have some fun and do some Q and A and let people ask the questions about the Stern Show they always wanted to know. You know, but uh, but it's interesting. I got to write my autobiography and people ate that up. So, you know, you you just you just move along the way you move along. That's all. One foot in front of the other. You mentioned that your divorce. I, so there's some great memories from the show, but I, one of the great ones, I mean, so Howard gets divorced. That's not great, obviously, but the, the movie came out and he's you know, walking with Allison down the red carpets. And then a couple of years later, you know, it, it's not working out. What, what was that time like? And, I, and then specifically, you guys did a roast. I remember it and the separation roast. And no one wanted to tell jokes, but it was hilarious. Howard's like, all right, we'll do this. And then you guys get out there and start doing. What was that divorce time like being around Howard? And just what happened? It's, it's just so very funny. weird. You seemed- know what? It's a shame that we're not on video because, uh, you know, so I've saved a, a bunch of notes from over the years. Um, one of the notes I had, uh, I mean, I wrote a zillion notes every day, and I still have all the notes, but the one note I had pinned over my desk, because I thought it told the entire tale of the entire show, and the note was, if you ju- one of the templates I created was, if you're just tuning in, and I would give a, I'd say what's going on in the studio. It was always funny. And so, if you're just tuning in, we're giving a breathalyzer test to a midget in a, Pink Easter Bunny outfit. <laughs> that was when Henry Dwarf was to wear dressed as the Easter Bunny, and he was drunk out of his mind. But when Howard got divorced, it was nobody had any any inkling. Nobody had the faintest fucking idea. And there was only one thing that happened. But I 
would have never picked up on it at the time. Uh, it was really funny because me and Howard and, and Fred were, you know, during a commercial break, and Gary came in, and, you know, we'd always chat. <clears throat> and, and Gary said, you know, Howard, I just read today they say that one out of every five people gets divorced. That means somebody in this group's going to get divorced. Who do you think is going to get divorced first? And Howard said, I know. And, oh, you know. And I thought that he was like being pompous, like he was so sure I was going to get divorced. Or he was so sure Fred was going to get divorced. But in retrospect, he was talking about himself. Because they were already going to counseling and everything. <clears throat> but they announced it on a Friday. And uh, I was in Atlantic City doing uh, the film film festival for uh, Potluck, one of the first movies I was ever in. And I was sitting at the bar, and I had on a, a baseball hat, and I had my head down low because, you know, you don't want anybody to know who the hell you are. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'll never forget this, on Fox News, up behind the bar, all of a sudden there's this big thing, Howard Stern and wife to separate. I'm like, knock me over with a spoon, you know, and and thank God nobody knew who I was because they all have been said, said how how'd you guys keep that a secret? And I love you too. And, and, and meanwhile, like, who would believe that we had no idea? But they broke it on a Friday afternoon so the people absorbed it for a weekend. And when we came in on Monday, I still have this note. Like, it's right down at the bottom of the stairs here. I could have held it up and showed you. Um, in fact, you know, I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you. The, uh, when the microphones came on Monday morning, the whole world was tuned in to see what the hell is he going to say about what happened, you know? And, and, you know, and of course I'm writing notes and, uh, I wrote a note and put it in front of him. And when the microphones went on, the first thing he said was all broads, please call. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And uh, and that what, what was great about it, it, it was on, it made the AP. It was, it was in every, um, you know, new, every article. There was a million. Hold on, let me I'll take this picture. Jackie looking for a picture right now, so we'll let him do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> every... Every news, every article in the newspapers and magazines, it was it was a funny opening line. So it was in a lot of them, but uh, it was odd, you know. And then you know, we we actually went on a couple of dates with him and uh, him and his his girlfriend, and you know, it was odd. I really liked Allison. She she was a sweet woman, you know. And um, but marriage is tough, <clears throat> especially the Stern show made it tough. You know, it really did. You know. Yeah. Did you? So I mean, I have a few. That's one of my favorites. Do you have like? I mean, I'm sure this is such a hokey podcast question, but a favorite moment? Like, man, I, that was the day. I or you know, or do they all just kind of run together? What do you have something that comes to mind well, when you think of? Well, there are a million of them, <clears throat> but uh, the you know, making the movie was uh, incredible. <clears throat> but there were you know, uh, sitting there in the studio before we moved to the bigger studio, I was sitting there literally, uh, my right knee was against James Taylor's left knee and he sat there and he played four songs 
And I was, I, I said, you know what? I'm closer to him than anybody would have ever been because there's no reason for anybody to ever sit this close to him when he's playing music. You know, he sang Caroline on my mind and Sweet Baby James. I was like, I, you know, I, I'm sure I had an orgasm, you know. <laughs> but there was, <clears throat> there was so many classic moments. You know, we were sitting there one morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, Sam Kinison and Pat McCormick and Chuck McCann and uh, Jack, somebody from the old Newhart show, just came bursting. Like first, it had been late at night, and Sam had said, come on, guys, let's get my plane and go do the Stern show. And they flew from California, and they just came walking in at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was like, holy Jesus Christ, you know, shit like that. You know, like, like Joe Walsh would walk in naked except for his bathrobe. You know, I mean, it, it, you could just go on and on and on with it, you know. I mean, we walked out during commercial break, and Milton Berle turned to everybody and said, he just talked about my cock for 45 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, you, I, I could go on and on and on. There is, how can you pick a favorite no, moment? You know what right. I mean? Well, and then the semantics of the show, I always was like, all right, what are they doing? Because Howard let everything, you know, you'd hear if, if Fred dropped a tape, the show would stop and or a cart. But what goes on in the breaks? I mean, it, it seems like, I don't want to say it's scripted, but he knows where he wants to go. But tell me about just the semantics of that show when you were there. It, it's It was always, I know. Well, the, the he, what happened was, when I started on there, you know, I'm a fun guy. If I'm sitting around with a couple people, you know, I contribute. I, and I yak, and I'm funny, you know. But it was not my radio show. So I'd sit there and I'd think of an idea or think of something funny, but it wasn't my place to say anything. So I would write something down. It was funny. When I first went in there uh, and they said, come back next week, I came in with a couple of ideas for there was a black helicopter uh, traffic reporter. And I, you know, had some lines for him. And when I first handed them to Howard, he looked at me like, you know, almost like, what are you doing? I don't need any help. And then during the week, I, I heard him say them, because when I very first started on the show, that was probably the last time I ever listened to the show, was when the first week I was on, two weeks I was on. And all of a sudden, I heard him using the lines I gave him. And then the next week, I walked in, he said, hey, man, you got anything else? And I was like, yeah. So, I, you know, so he got hooked. And then slowly but surely, I'd give him ideas over the three years. And then when we went to K-Rock, he got fired, and they got hired to K-Rock, they actually had a little place for me to sit where I could physically put the stuff in front of them. And then we went to mornings. And so I just would, you know, pay, you know physically write the notes with a Sharpie on an eight by 10 piece of paper, and put it in front of them. So that was my chat with Jackie, the joke man, Martling from the Howard Stern show. And it was so much fun getting a chance to catch up with him. And of course, tech, technology can be kind of rough and, there was way more to that interview, and unfortunately, it ended up on the cutting room floor. I, uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, the, the equipment crashed in the middle of the interview. But uh, at least we got a good half hour out of it. There was some, some more fun stuff in there, and maybe Jackie will come back and we'll talk some more about some of that stuff. So hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully you're enjoying Mass's restaurants even during the pandemic. Five locations in St. Louis. They're doing curbside pickup, online ordering. And if you go to their, their menu, stlmasses.com, you can see the menus. You can 
order that food. You can see their hours. They've adjusted their hours a little bit, but it's still the same great food. The Big Al special is right there. Cajun pasta. Getting some myself this weekend. Can't wait. So make sure you support my title sponsor, especially now when restaurants need it. Go out and support all the restaurants. They need it. We need to get back to normal. And let's hope we can, as one, kill the coronavirus. So thanks to Jackie. Thanks uh, to you for listening. And I'll catch you next time.